radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is Episode 5, recorded on Monday, September 14th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we'll be discussing how and why you should get involved with this election. But first, the headlines. Fake news. Fake news. Fake, disgusting news. Up first in headlines, apparently Trump calling our military officials suckers and losers got overshadowed by the fact that he's now on tape lying about COVID. He's actually on tape telling the truth. He just lied all the rest of the time. Right. Good, good point. That's a really good point. So in an interview with Bob Woodward of Woodward and Bernstein fame, so the guy who's famous for bringing down Nixon and Trump's cabinet thought it would be a good idea to let him talk to Trump. I, I don't see how that was going to turn out well for him. Right. Whose idea was it? I mean, I heard some rumors about how after Woodward's last book, Fear, two years ago, I guess Trump was upset that he didn't get enough time to talk to Woodward. So he wanted to make sure there was more time to talk to him for his next one, I guess, or something along those lines. I don't know how true that is. Why? Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. Did you hear uh, Tucker Carlson was blaming Lindsey Graham? No, I didn't. Saying that he purposefully set up the meeting to sabotage Trump. Because Lindsey Graham, you know, he hasn't been Trump's biggest cheerleader. He's the secret Democrat. He's the real rhino. Yep. Good God. On September 9th, the Washington Post released an article containing several quotes and audio clips from Bob Woodward's upcoming book, Rage. The clips are from interviews with President Trump and Bob Woodward back from February and March, where Trump is on record saying that this is deadly stuff and that he intentionally played it down. That's, I think, and I think that's yeah. the big one. He said that he didn't want to create a panic. But well, I that's think just, that's everyone just knows he's talking about the stock market, right? Because all he tries to do is create a panic when he talks about the Antifa terrorists and Joe right. Biden's America and they're going to burn down the suburbs. But it's BS, though, because if it's one thing to have you know a little bit of composure when you talk about these things, like imagine if Barack Obama had to announce that these regulations had to be put in place because of COVID, right? He would do it with a simple type of composure to him. We'll he, get every governor who's had to do it. Right. Since. So you can try to keep your citizens calm, but he's straight up lying to us this entire time. I mean, he initially called it a Democrat hoax. Yep. Well, as he said, always tried to downplay it. And he said he still likes playing it down and he still is doing that to this day. Well, right. And he's admitting that that's what he's doing now because he can't just outright lie that these don't exist because he's on tape saying it, right? And he knew specifically that it wasn't just older people, even though he's still says oh young people you know they just miraculously get better it's no big deal even though he says in these interviews oh yeah it's it's killing younger people too so what more does he have to do to show people that he's completely unfit to do this that he's completely unfit to lead this country and that he has to go i i don't know what more he can do he's trying his hardest this is exactly what every conservative hates about politicians they hate the fact that they're fake. They hate that they lie. They want to know the truth, supposedly. Do they? Do they? <laughs> they keep telling me they do. If the truth is small government and no taxes, then yeah, that's what they want to know. And requires no change in anything whatsoever. 
that's about all they really care about. So let me get your thoughts. I mean, I don't know if you've heard too much about this, but I've seen a lot of criticism about Bob Woodward holding off until now, too. And he faced the same criticism with his George W. Bush book as well. Yeah, I remember that, too. So, I mean, do you think the criticism is valid or is it worth it or do you think it we're taking away from the bigger issue here? A little bit of both. I mean, he is kind of a bastard for holding on to this where he could have said, look, I know what the president is saying publicly, that this is no big deal. It's just going to go away. Here's a recording that I have with him three weeks ago, whatever it would have been, where he acknowledges that it's very deadly and that he heard from the Chinese president, even though he still constantly says that China did everything they could to hide it from him. How can he say that when on February 7th, he literally said, I just got off the phone with President Xi and they're going to handle it, but this is really bad. Right. And the best argument I'm hearing for the criticism of Bob Woodward is, so he's claiming that the stuff was public knowledge to begin with. I mean, he's said this kind of stuff before already, and then he's just lying ever since then because he's just an absolute mess of a speaker. However, you know, so it wouldn't be as much of a bombshell if he did it three weeks into this whole thing. But I think the idea of... Well, the main criticism is he held this back to promote his book. You could also claim that he held it back to release strategically before the election, which I would be a little bit more on board with that than trying to sell a book. I like the idea of him saying, since Trump is on record saying this stuff with audio clips widely available now, if that was the case, he would have had to acknowledge it at that point too, which would have saved probably, what, thousands upon, you know, maybe 100,000 lives. And had he acted as if he was a person that had this knowledge to begin with and said, hey, this stop saying it's just like the flu. We know it's more deadly than the flu. We know younger people can get it. We can't open up schools. Everyone's got to wear a mask. Everybody's got a social distance. Yeah, it's not great. But think of what we all did during World War II. That would have made an impact. And maybe it would have been us liberals saying, you know, no, this is all nonsense. Don't listen to the president. He He's dumb. Who knows? But that's not the world we live in. The world we live in, the president tried to say it was nothing, even though he's obviously on tape saying that, yeah, this is a big deal. This could be really bad for us. But in public, to the American people, he charitably played it down. And even that's an understatement. Well, like I said, I was being charitable. (laughs) He just lied to everybody. Right. To try to protect the economy and his reelection. And it cost, I'll say, 100,000 people their lives. We'll say it's half if he acted responsibly with the knowledge he had versus what he actually did. How many other presidents directly killed 100,000 American citizens and didn't face really any scrutiny for that? Can we even say other presidents killed over 100? 100,000 to 200,000 citizens. I mean, you, I mean World I, War II? I was like, you, I guess you could say like those like sending people off to war, but like plain civilians? We can't. I don't think there's anyone else. Who was president during the Spanish flu? Woodrow Wilson? Oh, okay. We can go with that. Speaking of citizens that the president is responsible for killing, let's talk about the wildfires currently going on across multiple states, but I think mainly California and Oregon. I'm really upset that you took the headline on this one because I really wanted to do an all-star reference saying, in my world's on fire, so was yours, yours. but now now it's gone. It's all over now. 
Well, plus, they'll always be known as the, the Sturgis Rally Band. So, <laughs> it, As if Smash Mouth didn't have enough problems. As of September 11th, 2020, a total of 7,718 fires have burned 3,354,234 acres, more than 3% of the state's roughly 100 million acre of land, making 2020 the largest wildfire season recorded in California history. And it's not even wildfire season yet. Their wildfire season starts in October, (laughs) which is horrifying to think about. They expected the 2020 fire season to be especially grave and prolonged due to the unusually dry months of January and February, one of the driest such periods of any calendar year on record. In early September, a combination of record-breaking heat wave and Diablo and Santa Ana winds sparked more fires and explosively grew them to devastating sizes. As of right now, Portland is the current number one city in the world for the worst air quality. Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles are in the top 10. 10% of Oregon has currently had to evacuate. And our president's a freaking moron, still not taking any responsibility and not acknowledging the global climate crisis associated with this. How can you deny this has to do with global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it? They've had the hottest summer on record. We just had the hottest day ever recorded in the United States and California. They've had record droughts. You have high winds because there's more energy in the atmosphere. And you have lightning sparking all these fires because everything is dry. Everything is sweltering. I mean, I know one of them was caused by somebody uh, trying to the tell gender, the world the gender you know, reveal yeah, party what they think the gender of their child is i saw an awesome meme of um legolas where he's like look look at the horizon and it shows like a fiery warm picture of the horizon and he just goes a gender must have been revealed tonight so you're you're leading with the lord of the rings meme huh it's topical Man, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. It was supposed to be funny. I enjoyed it. Hate you, dick. But anyway, people are stupid in multiple variations, starting with the fact that why are we still doing explosives for gender reveal parties? Why do we have gender reveal parties? See, if we just eliminated gender altogether, we would not have any problems with this. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit older, but we didn't have those. The big thing was, are you going to try to find out with the ultrasound, or are you going to wait for the day of? And nobody really cared. Is it who, beyond your immediate family, who really cares if you're having a boy or a girl? Well, and like, what's nobody. the purpose of a gender reveal party? Like, Is it like a second baby shower? Yeah, I think yeah. it's just to get more stuff and just to be the center of attention for longer. Oh, that's so stupid and so unnecessary. Yeah. But, as we said, most of these fires are sparked by lightning again that is due to climate change because as predicted there is more and more heat in the atmosphere you get more thunderstorms well look what our president's doing right now we just heard him talk about it back in august that he's still talking about raking up the leaves yep that's what he that's what he knows that's what he's going to go back to it's all about forest management not climate change it's not real he even threatened to make California pay for all the issues for federal lands, by the way, which is stupid, because they're supposedly not listening to They're not cleaning up the floors of the forest. And he's also not showing any sympathy to any of these people. Right. You know, one guy gets shot at that protest in Oregon. He talks about how great of a guy it is, how he was, even though there's no real evidence of that. He might have been a white supremacist and goes on and on about that. 
But read some of these stories about these fires of people being trapped in their cars, kids dying with their dogs on their lap, people getting burned trying to save their family members. Right. It's horrendous. Well, we have over what? Is it over 32, 33 deaths so far yeah, that, that were recorded. Know of. Yeah. I mean, and it's still going up. And we have an absolute idiot in chief who's rejecting all the science and all the data based on this and talking about absolute nonsense. And trying to use things to spite California because they just don't like him over there. And now this is a continuing trend. We had last year the fires in Australia. Two years ago, we had other huge fires in California, which up until this year were the the record. Did Did you hear any of the fun stuff about how Antifa is being accused of yes. starting the wildfires? Yes, I have seen the <laughs> the QAnon promoted conspiracies that there were multiple Antifa operatives arrested starting fires, which of course were not true at all. It's actually caused the FBI to set out a press release stating that that's all misinformation and that people really need to just look for official sources and not what they read on a message board. It got so bad that Douglas County Sheriff Department had to warn on Facebook and quote, say rumors spread just like wildfire. Now our 911 dispatchers and professional staff are being overrun with requests for information and inquiries on an untrue rumor that six Antifa members have been arrested for setting fires. What's happening? Conservatives will believe anything. Oh my God. And what would the point of that be? They, they just really want to burn down the woods because that'll show everybody. Hey, burn it down. Don't give us justice, burn it down. You burn down the city burn, hall and the police burn, department. No, no, no. We're going to burn down the woods and the forests. Screw those. Screw the nature. It's kind of like the whole um, underpants gnomes thing where it's, you know, step one, burn down forests. Step two, eh. <laughs> step three, profit. Step three, equal rights for everyone. Bingo. There you go. Step three, no more fascism. Yep. We, we took away the forests. That's where they hide. <laughs> and if that wasn't bad enough, Here's some news you probably didn't hear about. Whistleblower says top Trump appointees tried to censor reports on Russian influence. This is an article by Politico, and it's pretty bad. Apparently there was a report filed by DHS, Department of Homeland Security official Brian Murphy, that alleged that acting secretary Chad Wolf, wonderful name, and his predecessor, Christian Nielsen, and other senior DHS brass engaged in a repeated pattern of abuse of authority attempted censorship of intelligence analysis, and improper administration of an intelligence program related to Russian efforts to influence and undermine United States interests. Sounds like they're working for the Russian government, Joe. I I don't even know what to make of that. I mean, this is nothing surprising at this point, right? As much as I hate to say it, it's just another whistleblower complaint showing how bad this administration is. And, as we were talking about last week with the Why are there always anonymous sources of these things? Uh, Murphy alleged that he was also retaliated against by Wolf, who demoted him to the role of assistant to the deputy undersecretary for the DHS management division on August 1st. Well, let's talk about this complaint a little more. According to the Politico article, in his complaint, Murphy claimed he was instructed by Wolf to stop reporting on Russian activities altogether and, quote, instead start reporting on interference activities by China and Iran. Wolf told him that the instruction came from Robert O'Brien, President Donald Trump's national security advisor, and Murphy pushed back and said he would not comply, quote, as doing so would put the country in substantial and specific danger. He also alleged that he was instructed to halt the assessments because they were, quote, 
making the president look bad. He was asked to testify by Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff on September 21st. The interview is likely to take place in secure House facilities that would permit Murphy to discuss classified details he was unable to include in the public version of his complaint. Damn, that shifty Schiff. Always being so shifty. Terrible. Doing his job. So it's all it's all conspiracy, man. We'll see what QAnon has to th- right. say about this. Not that I want to talk about it being a Vikings fan in Wisconsin right now. Did you see the Packers game, Jason? Shut up. Yeah. It is football season, Jason. It is football season, and the Packers are one and oh. Jason, how are the Vikings I, doing? They didn't they didn't play. You're right, they didn't play at all. <laughs> they didn't even show up for the game. I'm glad I work on Sundays. <laughs> Aside from an absolute destroying of the Minnesota Vikings by the Green Bay Packers, the best team in the NFL. A lot of the attention actually came from the season opener Chiefs Texans game on Thursday, where fans booed the racial justice stand for peace and equality. Let's all have a moment of silence and a show of unity. (laughs) What a bunch of dirtbag Oh my God. And this shows you so much that... This has nothing to do with respecting the flag. It has nothing to do with respecting our veterans and our military personnel. It's all about we don't want football to be interrupted and we don't want to talk about racism. That was it. They already played the national anthem. This was a moment of silence separate in the pregame activities where both teams just got together. They locked arms and just had a moment of silence and they were booed. Yep. You don't have to cheer if you don't agree with it, but just move on. Let them have the moment of silence. That's fine. Move on. Don't well, boo. And my, and my favorite bit of irony is that a lot of the same fans who are all booing immediately started doing the tomahawk chop when this game was about to kick off. No sense of irony lost on these people at all. I'm just, I hate people. And what do they got to be mad about? Their team won the Super Bowl last year. They could just be happy. It's like, yeah, let's, you know, racial justice and equality and everybody standing together. Now I'm going to sit here and boo because right. I... I can't be bothered to care about anybody who's not me. Let's talk about the fact that the NFL did not stand with its players when it counted in the beginning. No, they waited until public sentiment changed. Right. So let's be real here. Like, yes, is it bad that you have predominantly white owners who are very wealthy of these teams now just starting to say, yeah, it's okay if you do a Black Lives Matter stand of peace? While contributing to the Trump campaign. Right. So we can talk about that. We can have those discussions on those issues, but don't boo the freaking players for just having a nice moment of silence. In local news, Milwaukee Archbishop Listecki says that fear of getting sick is no excuse for missing mass and that it is a grave sin. I guess this this pisses me off. Like when I read this article, I was freaking fuming. Hey, your kids aren't going to molest themselves. Oh, but, but even Catholic pedophile jokes aside. Hey, it's I'm, Milwaukee, man. I mean, you're right. I'm so sick of this, of religion getting in the way of handling this COVID crisis. I'm done with it. I, I can't handle it anymore. I have no talents for bullshit. Yeah, I, if God were real, he did this. Right. And if anything, he's also telling you to stay out of the freaking church. He made a virus that made you get sick and possibly die if you got too close to other people. I think that's a hint, if you believe. They're just worried that if people stay away from mass, that they're not going to come back and they're going to lose money. Yep. all they care about. And again, like this is not just a Catholic thing, right? We've seen religious leaders do this consistently throughout this entire pandemic. Hard to pass that virtual plate around. 
Right. I'm sure and, they still do no, it. And they want you to send it in. And but. they do. I, there are many churches, including Catholic dioceses, that are actually doing virtual donations instead. And reports have shown that donations and tithes have dropped significantly. Shocker. It's because when you don't have peer pressure on you, you don't give as much money. Again, if God were real, you could just set those plates down, come back, and they would be magically full, right? Right. So don't you dare invoke God in all this garbage, saying that you have to go to church and risk your own freaking health. Because God wants you to. And finally. In some actual happy news. We're doing another fundraiser for the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. After the amazing success of the Princess Bride fundraiser, which had over 110,000 people for their live stream, they're actually doing another one with the Parks and Rec cast. Is Chris Pratt going to be there? No. Well, that's good anyway. Forget Chris Pratt. We We got Nick Offerman, though. That's all you really need. Everybody loves their Ron Swanson. Right. And you'd feel like Ron Swanson would be not or would not be the one who would be doing a Democrat fundraiser <laughs> of all the characters. But who cares? We got Ron Swanson. You think we're next? The Think Progressively podcast? Fundraiser for the Wisconsin so, yeah, Dems. They're saving the best for last. Re- reach out to us with Dems. We got you. We'll we'll get a massive amount of people to talk about something. We'll do a live stream of the show. It'll be yeah, great. It'll be everything we everything you ever asked for. We'll have so many people breaking down your doors. You'll be multimillionaires in no time. Or just get A-list celebrities to do your work for you. And that's fine too. Did you see that there's people who are accusing the Democratic Party of trying to buy the election with these fundraisers? That's all politics is. It's fundraising. What'd you I, expect it to be? I really wish that you couldn't just buy elections, but that's the way it works. Ugh. Left wing, we're going left wing all the way. So, having famous celebrities do fundraisers for your party is one way to get involved. Why don't you tell us how else we can get involved, Joe? That was one hell of a segue. I give you credit for that. Yeah, actually, it all kind of stems from the idea that we are doing politics wrong. You do work for a political organization, don't you? I do. I organize. You organize? What does that mean? Yeah, basically that means I have a specific turf and I help organize volunteers to help turn out voters and do everything we can to turn areas blue. Turf. Are you like in a gang? You walk around with a leather jacket? That's all what politics is. It's just gang related things over and over again. Snapping your fingers, twirling a chain. Yes, but with much older and more uncoordinated people because they're all lawyers. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I love the sincerity. <laughs> I really like the work you do. So how does that work? If I wanted to get involved, if I wanted to do something more than just vote because I really want things to change, I really want to get involved, how would I go about doing that? Well, I think we need to back up a second. So a lot of this talk actually comes from Eaton Hirsch's Politics is for Power. He wrote a good New York Times article a little while ago and actually wrote a book called Politics is for Power. And it was all based on the idea of political hobbyism. People who consume a lot but don't actually do much of anything. They just treat it like a social thing or duh, a hobby. Democrats consume a lot of news coverage and they are very informed. They don't actually do anything with it. They just sit there and argue online, right? I mean, that's the idea of like, online or keyboard warriors or why we made this podcast joe i kind of (laughs) feel like you're attacking us right now i am a little bit but the whole point of politics is to gain power right 
when you talk about gaining leadership positions, which will make the rules over time, you have to have a good sustainable structure to create power and to sustain that power. Republicans do this very well. Democrats suck at doing this, especially today where you have lots of very highly educated Democrats, but they don't do anything to actually gain power for their party. They just sit there and say, well, I vote and that's all I need to do. Or they'll say, well, I watch the news. Therefore, I'm an informed voter, which means my civic duty is done. And that's bullshit. You need to do so much more to help out your candidates up and down the ticket, especially the fact that when most people who are political hobbyists don't even know who actually their own state representative is or who their state senator is. So we need to rethink how we do politics as Democrats and do what Republicans already do, which is organize and create good structure that sustains power over a long period of time. And that's how you can get involved. Gain power? Well, help get power. So what does that mean? Well, there's a couple of things you can do, right? First and foremost, donate. That's all I got. <laughs> got nothing so you're more. Just, you're just like the Catholic Church. You just want my money. Money. Candidates up and down the ticket need money. Knowing and working on political campaigns, I've now witnessed firsthand how expensive running a campaign is. And especially for local candidates, they don't have any money. That's why they're sitting there begging for you to donate something. So you need to get out there and donate your actual money to help these candidates. Always they're not going to have any money to run their campaigns well, and they won't win. As much as we hate money in politics, having money is the difference between having a decent campaign where you actually win versus being forgotten within a couple of weeks. Well, let's say you don't have a lot of money. That's great. Jason, can you think of any other way you can help out a candidate other than giving money? Rigging the voting machines? Bingo. Rigging the voting machines. No. Volunteering. Your time is valuable, but it is free to give. And there are tons of different ways that you can volunteer, especially as of right now. Doing door-to-door canvassing is still the best proven way to help candidates win elections. Um, Several studies have been done with this. And even through all this, even though people are still afraid to open their doors today, actually having people knock on your doors and doing literature jobs are the best ways to change minds of voters and get the best word out for your candidate to local neighbors. Actually put your candidate's name in front of them. Right. They recognize it when they go to the polls. And in fact, um, they actually did a study or several studies on this. According to Donald Green and Alan Gerber, who put out their findings of Get Out the Vote, a guide for candidates and campaigns back in 2004, um, they talked about how door-to-door canvassing was by far the most consistently effective and efficient method of voter mobilization, especially for the local candidates themselves. For um, candidates who are actually doing door-to-door canvassing themselves as opposed to just volunteers, their numbers went up dramatically as opposed to not doing anything else. So that's by far the best way to do it. But say you don't want to go door-to-door or you live in a rural area where you think someone's going to shoot you for going on their property. I have friends who have done that, and it's apparently terrifying. The second best way to volunteer is by phone banking. Also pretty obvious here, as opposed to going door-to-door, you're going to be using your phone to be calling people and talk about various issues and to push your candidates of your choice. This is a good way still to do it. It's not as effective as door-to-door canvassing, but it's pretty darn close according to various studies. The idea revolves around personalized message having and having conversations with voters is much better than having robotic messages or anything like that. And that makes sense, right? We as people don't like things pushed onto us that aren't sincere. However, we do like having conversations with people because we are social creatures by nature. So having a nice smiling or friendly sounding person talk to you, it makes you feel better and puts a good feeling associating with the candidate that you're trying to push. 
You know, I was a telemarketer in my high school days. Were you really? And this is bringing back some pretty horrible memories. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I also worked in a call center right after college, and this was kind of similar. Yeah, I was not good at it at all. I do want to put a hand out there for people who are worried and scared or at least a little hesitant on doing these couple of things because it is scary. And I understand that I was the exact same way. I was worried about having people yell at me, cussing me out, saying things to me, slamming the door in my face or whatever it may be. And those are legitimate fears. And I understand that. However, I do want to let you know that those are irrational fears. And I know from experience that after I knocked on a couple of doors, it was fine. After I made my first couple of calls, it was fine. And you actually get some good conversations out of it with people too. You don't have to necessarily push a script. It's about relational organizing, which is what we'll talk about in a little bit. But just literally about having conversations with people who want to talk to you. And if they don't want to talk to you, they'll just tell you and you just move on. And it's really okay. While it may seem intimidating, give it a try because it's actually not as bad as you think it might be. But for those who are still worried, okay, fine, you're still not going to do it. You're still not going to call people. You're still not going to knock on doors. There are also texting campaigns that happen right now too. Texting campaigns is how most people do their mass marketing stuff today. Or I've ignored quite a few of those. I'm sure we, I'm sure you have. I, I'm going to be honest, I do texting myself and I've ignored them. Most texting campaigns are basically today's mass mailers. They're very efficient. Most use online texting services that you don't have to text from your own phone which makes it very easy to text hundreds, if not thousands of people in a shorter amount of time. These can be good for voter turnout for people who already agree with your message and you just want them to either vote, get registered or whatever it may be, or even volunteer. But they are the worst for persuasion. Do not ever text people and assume you're going to get them on your side for any issue. But another thing I want people to realize is that these are real people on the other sides of these things, right? So when someone calls you, if someone knocks on your door, if someone texts you, please be aware that it is an actual kind-hearted, most likely, volunteer just trying to reach out to you for political support. Yes, you may not agree with them. I understand that too, but just be nice to them. If you don't want to talk to them, don't cuss them out. Don't be mean to them. They're just trying to have a good conversation with you. If you don't want to give them your time, that's okay. Just tell them to move on. Just be aware. Be nice to people. Or they'll come back and murder your family. Sure. (laughs) And actually, that's kind of what leads me to our next point, which is, okay, well, how do you organize in this election? Because this is an election unlike any other, because we are doing it literally within a pandemic. So for me and my group, we don't actually knock on doors. We tell our volunteers not to knock on doors because it is a health and safety risk. So all we actually do is focus on phone banks and texting. What you may want to do, and this is actually a really cool thing that highlighted Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Democratic Party and a couple of other organizations like Block, Black Leaders Organizing Communities and Voces de la Frontera. And they discuss how they organized during the Wisconsin's April primary during the pandemic. It's a fantastic documentary. I highly recommend checking it out. It's pretty freaking cool. And it shows you what people can do during a pandemic and how it's not everything up in the air. So link will be in the show notes. Link will be in the show notes because you should do it. And the whole point of that documentary is what those organizations did was called relational organizing, which is basically pure grassroots organization through communities where you may have some people say, you know, hold your friends and family accountable, call 10 of your friends and make sure they know how to request an absentee ballot, call three of your friends and let them know that we have this volunteering opportunity coming up, literally talking to your neighbors and things like that. And this is actually the by far the best way to do something, right? I mean, usually grassroots organization in any field 
is the best way to get long-standing traction. It's just really freaking hard to do and to pull off. But if you can get that power structure in there, it's going to stay there and you're going to have basically systemic change throughout generations if you can pull it off. And this is also based off of what is called deep canvassing. This was a term coined by David Fleischer, who was also referenced during the Politics is for Power book. And the idea is we use psychology to make organizing more effective. When you talk to people and have a certain script of something, imagine how persuasive someone may sound to you. Would it be someone who is just steamrolling through all their questions and trying to get out of there as quick as possible? Or is it actually having a good conversation with you? Duh, it's the second one, right? Duh. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate the support, Chase. (laughs) And that makes sense because that's how we function. We talked about a little bit earlier that when we discuss our psychology as people, we are social creatures by nature. So when I talk to my volunteers, I tell them, you don't necessarily have to follow the script verbatim. That's okay. In fact, if they don't even agree with you by the end of a 15-minute conversation, that's also fine as long as you stay positive. Because the whole idea is if you're a positive and you show them that they can have a good experience with a Democrat, they may have hated Democrats or they may have been scared of Democrats before you called them or went to their door. And now they can't associate that fear with a Democrat anymore because you now show them that they can have a decent conversation with one. And while it may not give you the short-term results you're looking for, they may not vote for Biden right now. That's going to help because when you have more exposure to different ideas, that's how you change someone's mind over time. A lot of times people don't even know what the platforms of the parties are. They just know they watch Fox News and all they get is very limited exposure. They may want universal health care. They may want free education, but they think Biden's going to take their guns away. Right, because they, they, they go for all the propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. And they create caricatures of what Democrats actually are. And I've had that on the phone with people where I've called people in rural areas who were afraid that Democrats were these horrible, evil people who would just scream at you if you disagreed with them. I had a 20-minute conversation with a guy on the phone who I've never met before who said, you know what, you didn't persuade me. I'm still going to probably vote for Trump, but I really appreciate your call. And I'm going to be honest, this was much more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. That's a win. It, it may not feel like it because you didn't get the guy to vote for who you want to, but that is a win. That's how canvassing should be working. It's a long-term process. By having these great conversations with people and using psychology to your advantage, you can turn states blue that will last decades. So for anybody that's listening that wants to hear more about how they can begin doing this, how do you get involved in volunteering and canvassing and calling a phone bank? How do you, how does that even begin? Sure. So there are a couple of different ways you can do it. By far the easiest way, ask your local candidates. Your local candidates always need help in every way possible because usually your local candidates campaign team is like them and like one of their friends because <laughs> that's how it works, right? You, you may have these ideas of like these big Washington politicians, but your local candidate is just like your neighbor across the street most of the time. They don't have any gigantic money at their disposal for stuff. So They're out mowing their lawn all the time. Right. And guess what? The cool part about local candidates is that they're going to want to actually talk to you because they crave the attention because no one cares about local candidates. So go and reach out to your local candidate, ask them what things they have going on for their campaign and how you can help them. If you don't know who else to help, you can check out your local state party or your local county parties. Usually they organize all throughout your state, so you can try that. 
Also, for a couple of national sources you can use, Crooked Media, the company who produces Pod Save America, actually started a campaign called Adopt a State, where you can actually go online and register for a battleground state to be on Team Wisconsin, Team um, Michigan, Michigan or Arizona or Florida or Pennsylvania, whatever one you want to do. And they'll put you in contact with people that will help you phone bank and text in these battleground states because they need all the help they can get. Mobilize.us is another great tool that shows local things that are happening in your area. And you can also use it to reach out to other states as well, depending on where you want to volunteer your time. There are plenty of things you can do. You don't have to volunteer in your local community if you don't want to. You can reach out to states that truly do need it, Wisconsin. But volunteer in some way, shape, or form. That's how these things get done. That's how politicians win. Get out there and actually do something. Always, we're just going to have another loss and another four years of Trump on our hands. A lot of progressives, you hear complaints like, well, I'd like to work within the Democratic Party, but everybody is too centrist. Everybody's too corporate. There are organizations within the Democratic Party that do push progressive candidates like the Justice Democrats, the Sunrise Movement. If you don't want to support your local pro-business Democrat, you can still look to these other organizations and help out a candidate that fits your politics better. You don't even have to volunteer for a candidate. It could be for an issue you want too, right? So we have things like Fight for 15 that are just trying to push for a $15 minimum wage. You have, like you said, the Sunrise Movement, which is more of a climate change and environmental group. So you can do things based on issues you care about as well. But note that if you don't actually get involved, nothing will change. You could always just start a podcast. Or start a podcast and still do nothing. (laughs) Agreed. So to recap, politics is for power. In order to obtain power, you have to get involved. As many people say, politics is not a spectator sport. You have to get involved for the results you want to happen. The best ways to do that are donate your money, Donate your time by either canvassing on doors or calling people in phone banks or texting. Reach out to your local candidates or reach out to national or state organizations that can help you get in touch with those local candidates to help you volunteer more or do something. Just get out there and help people any single way you can because that's how we should be doing politics today. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. Quotes and audio clips from Rob. That was close. Quotes and Jesus. I had it. Okay. The audio clips. (laughs) The quips. Oh my God. I can't do this. That did not go well.